0: Reborn out of disaster, four survivors rose again to form a legion of the world's strangest heroes. Da 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 doo patrol! Welcome to the Doom Podcast Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Coles, and with me,
1: as always, is Murray Fox. And this week, we're going to look at My Greatest Adventures, number four and five. Mm. At least, the important story. (laughs) We're going to look at the robot that concerns us, not the other ones that
0: are very pretty, I'm
1: sure, but uh, don't concern us overly much. Yeah, unless there's like a big last issue surprise where... uh, Negative man suddenly takes off a garbage man costume and <laughs> and Tanga reveals herself to be Rita. Mm-hmm. They just don't interest us. That is true. Mhm. Uh-huh. Mhm. Uh-huh. All righty. Oh, we've got comments too. We have what? comments I know from at our podcast uh, site doompodtroll.com. Mm-hmm. We have got comments from Peebles, Peeblefista. Fista. Peeble Fista. <laughs> what, do got, what do
0: you got to say this time? He is
1: wondering, or we were wondering about jazz and, and uh, what was it, Dixieland that uh, Cliff was listening to, so he says, yeah. Jazz in general definitely predates Dixieland, which is a stiffer, sweeter style of jazz. Jazz probably has its origins in brothels as music played in the front room or parlor with two purposes, to placate waiting customers and as a background music for business in the back.
0: <laughs> business uh, in the, the back.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was conducive to improvisation because you had to come up with a way to play continuously for long periods of time, and most conventional songs would introduce a theme, develop it, and resolve it. The point of jazz was to avoid all that inevitable end and it resulted in a lot of on the fly creativity the new musical ideas that came out of it were then uh, turned back into conventional song structures that became popular with a general public who didn't know or care about its genealogy some of the popular brass based stuff was called dixieland in retrospect around world war one but it was probably played for a few years before the name was coined silent movie accompaniment evolved the same way Hmm. There we go. Our little jazz. Sounds very
0: educational.
1: Way educational for us. Yeah, yeah. And he goes into the uh, the little uh, the cover dating thing. How mine was April and yours was March. Yeah. Yeah. He Let's says. Uh, yeah. He says the thing about the different dates. For most of its existence, the original Doom Patrol series was published eight times a year by skipping the quarterly months, which was January, April, July, and October. It became bi-monthly with issues shipping in 68, and the previous issue was marked February 1968, so it actually shipped in December 67. The thing about DC and bi-monthly books is that the date on the cover will be inside a white rectangle, which is very true when I look (laughs) at that cover, Uh, whereas monthly or irregular titles will have the month in the same font directly on the cover art. So the art... Covers and interiors back then would be black and white and a color sheet would be produced only when the book went to press. Because I guess at the start of the 60s, DC was so confident that they had perfected the formula for making comics that some finished stories would remain on file for up to a year waiting for publication. That's one of the reasons why they never bothered trying to get teen slang even remotely accurate. (laughs) Well, that and they were all being written by 40 and 50 year olds. (laughs) (laughs) Possibly, yeah. <laughs> the colour sheets corroded far too quickly to bother storing them, so when stories were reprinted years later, they would have to be freshly recolored. That's why many of Marvel's reprint books in the 70s looked different from the original stories in the 60s. What happened with DC's showcase books is that they used the original art when possible, and the April sticker had probably fallen off or might even have been removed back in 68, so that they could reuse it on another cover. It's not the only difference. If you look closely at the steps under the chief's chair, uh, on the finished cover, they're kind of shaded and they're colored brown, and you get a little bit of shading, but on the showcase book, I guess the steps are all just black. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Very interesting.: Thank you very much.. Mr. Totally. Totally. And we've got a comment from Wildcard who was just getting caught up. So he commented on Doom Patrol uh, when we were reviewing 31 of the Morrison issues. Mm -hmm. He says he's a week late getting to the podcast. That's okay. (laughs) So are we most of them. (laughs) Totally. Anyway, he says, to me, the cover art is an indication of the quality of the interior art. And he's not a big fan of the Beisley covers. I find the cover art here to say that the interior art will be well below readable quality Chuck this up to personal taste, but I found these covers drove me away from picking up the books when they came out. And he asks, I thought there was a forum for this podcast, but I can't find it. It might be easier if there's a link to the forum on the podcast front page. Well, there was. There was a forum.
0: There were a lot of problems with it, and also no one ever
1: went there. So <laughs>
0: we sort of gave up on it.
1: Yeah. Because
0: that's how we roll.
1: That's totally it. <laughs> <laughs> so no more forum, but we are happy to get your responses here or in email land. That's right, totally. So thanks, guys. Awesome. Yes, you don't even have to like Simon Weasley. <laughs> That's what you should. Yeah, you know what? He probably takes you're a risk individual. <laughs> and for those books, yeah, like the covers. Had to, like the exterior art had absolutely no bearing on what the interior art was going to look like.
0: Yeah, oh, totally.
1: Yeah, it was just uh, neat design work, if that's what you're into.
0: <laughs> I suppose
1: not everybody is, so. That's all right. I know there are people out there that like. What's his name? Liefeld. I've heard of those people.
0: <laughs> that's true. He must get his money from somewhere.
1: Totally. That's right. There's room for everybody.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Totally. And we're happy to have them all wander on over here. Okie doke. So we're looking at My Greatest Adventure, the continuing stories of Robot Man here. Mm -hmm. Alrighty. So in issue number four, we got a cover, uh, cover by Amanda Connor. Lovely. Nice. Yeah, she does a good Robot Man. Oh, yeah. Amanda kind does a good everything. She totally does a good everything. <laughs> and we get in there, and we were leaving off with uh, Cliff and Maddie just getting ready to be smonched by a giant Kirby monster.
0: Oh, no. Yes, yeah,
1: a great big purpley 3 prong beastie. Anyway. Oh, yeah.
0: how will they get out of this one?
1: Totally. He's got a great big rock, and the monster is tossing it at them. Cliff, of course, has to toss uh, Maddie out of the way because his body is designed to follow the robot protocol. So he has to protect humans. So Maddie gets knocked out of the way. And then his robot body sends him flying out of the way because, of course, he's still got his human brain. So the rock crashes, and Cliff is sent out of the way for a moment until the creature grabs him. And tosses them way up into the air. And as he's flying through the air, he's thinking, Now would be a damn good time for those human-protecting nanobots that I call a body to kick in. (laughs) (laughs) And as he's flying away, we get uh, a little uh, robot blurb there that says, Input sensors temporarily offline. Yo. Yo. So we come on to the splash page where poor Cliff is mashed up on the rocks with a little uh, nanobot parrot looking at him. He's just saying, ow.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I guess you would.
1: Yeah, totally. I guess part of me, the non-broken part, should have figured this mission would be hairy. Mrs. Turing wants me to find her missing brother, a brother who happens to have ended up on an island full of mutated robot-animal hybrids. Probably not a coincidence. There you go. That's how you recap a, <laughs> a story. Everything mm-hmm. you need to know right there in a little blurb. Blurb bubble. That's right. So this is Robot Man, uh, Uncanny Valley, part four, written by Matt Kint. Scott Collins is the artist. And that is the biggie. Mm-hmm. All So we get the little parrot flying over to Cliff. It starts picking away at some of his... Uh, robot man innards there. And while it's doing that, robot man's saying, the weird thing is that I recognize the nanovirus stuff that's infecting the island. Because it's the same tech that my body is made of. Interesting. I ain't the world's greatest detective, but I'm going to bet that the missing Dr. Turing will have a lot of the answers. It's a literally calculated risk to eat one of these things, but it's an an interesting experiment, which is, of course, what he's doing. He pulls the... uh, parrot into his robot body and starts crunching it up. Hmm. So the poor parrot is now robot feed. Which is a deceased parrot. It is a deceased parrot, yeah. He says, I can separate the organic from the inorganic, giving me an eerie miniature preview of the bigger battle I'm in for, as my nanobodies take out the virus. So we get <laughs> we get an image of, like, these little tiny uh, robot men duking it out with the nanobots. They're like little, uh, Almost like little Pac-Man robots. (laughs) Having a little battle for a panel there. Uh, And then Cliff uh, gets a comment there. Cliff, if you can hear me. He's like, yeah, I'm still (laughs) self-repairing. But out of his head comes like this little uh, satellite dish that's picking up whoever is talking to him. I'm heading to the south side of the volcano. When I was flying in, I saw something that looked like a bunker. I gotta get. Meet me. (laughs) He's like, Maddie? Of course, that's probably who is talking to him. Maddie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. However, he's not able to move, but there are lots of other little robot animals on the island that have suddenly come to uh, comfort or deal with Robot Man there. Mm -hmm. And in the distance, we get the great big purple monster who is walking across the island. And I think this is from the robot or from the uh monster's point of view. So it's it's looking at cliff and it says status incapacitated, and it's looking at Maddie and it says status moving four kilometers per hour. Oh, she's a quick little runner. That's a pretty good clip, yeah. <laughs> totally. Totally. So then we get a couple of panels of Maddie running along, swishing through the jungle, and the beastie comes crashing through the trees. Goes down to grab her. She deeks out of the way, and just as she is about to get smushed or grabbed, she comes across the, uh, the bunker that she was talking about and starts banging on the door. She looks behind her, says, Oh my, sees the giant monster, and before it grabs her, it decides to turn and walk away. Something else has caught its attention. So off it goes Uh Cliff however is still hanging out on the rocks He's like well Nothing to do but wait for my body to get it together Been a long time Since I've felt like this Helpless (laughs) That sounds like a cue for a flashback (laughs) (laughs) Look it is a flashback Hey, There we go And the flashbacks are all done in uh, They're kind of white With red highlights And uh, very light colors He says, I was recruited by this crazy group of independent explorers and scientists, privately owned, and more than a little mysterious, called Unreason. U-N-R-E-A-S-O-N. Don't ask. It stands Hmm. for Universal Nanorobotic Exploration and Space Online Networks. Wow. Totally. They recruited me after seeing me in the news, but I didn't really care. So we get a picture of some of these people from The Unreason. We get a guy with red hair and a red beard. Hmm. Uh-huh. We get, it looks like Maddie Rouge. We get a uh, black guy with dreads and a older guy who's balding with a white mustache. And some army dude with, that's it. That's all we get.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's not really important. I don't think yet. It could be later. Mm-hmm. So they get him after seeing him in the news. He had swam the entire length of the Amazon in a year, and he had spent another year living in the Himalayas. They recruited me because they thought I was fearless. But it wasn't that. I was curious. I wanted to see what my mind and my body was capable of. And so we see him behind the, uh, the wheel of a supersonic car... So when they pitched the idea of me being in the first race where all of the cars would be breaking the land speed record simultaneously, my first thought was, I wonder if I can do it. I had had some piloting and driving experience, which was mostly good. Really, I think they just needed a warm body that wasn't scared of anything. Uh, So, the little nanobots did all the work. All All I had was the disembodied woman's voice down at Mission Control to keep me company. So we see him zooming along, and she's saying, You're doing fine, Cliff. I'll never forget her voice. Calm, smart, quirky, then worried, panicked, as everything went to hell. And we see his uh, his uh, car there she does a big smash-up, crash-up. Ouch. That reassuring voice, now scared, frantically telling me there'd been a miscalculation. Something with the heat of the car, the surface temperature of the salt flats, and the friction of the turn. Uh, The woman's voice over the radio assured me that the safety mechanisms would kick in. The nanobots in the car were programmed to save my life at all costs. Over 300 miles an hour, out of control and on fire. I'd never been scared in my life. Hell, if I was going to start now. That is, of course, where this issue ends. We see the flaming hull of the car. Just, uh... Burning away.
0: It's a and pretty it, funky car. It kind of looks like the Oscar Mayer Hot Dog Van.
1: It totally does. <laughs> <laughs> it's just long and narrow and. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's in color. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it is. It's a Wiener car. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, next chapter, man. The Wiener car in the world. Totally. Totally. Look, and if it goes fast enough, it even gets flamey. <laughs> mm-hmm. Flamey and barbecued. It's got own built in barbecue, yeah. Totally. <laughs> that is the end of this chapter. Oh, Bum, oh, boom, boom, yeah. boom.
0: So we'll go to number five. Right on. Average man struggles for his soul. Tanga bounds across boundless space, and robot man confronts his nemesis. Woo! What nemesis? Yeah. So we open, uh, it looks like all the scientists guys are, are watching the, the race that we left him at the last issue. Uh-huh. They're special goggles on and they're watching the race through a window.
1: Yeah. And we see some of the same guys there.
0: Yeah. When there's the redhead guy, the dreadlock guy, the uh-huh. general guy.
1: And then all the rest.
0: And all the rest. Here. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Training for the fastest land speed race took eight months. The entire race was 15 seconds. Eight of those (laughs) were me crashing and burning. (laughs) Uh, So Maddie's there. She's saying he needs to eject. And uh, she says, I'm sorry, something happened. Because it was her fault, her math. Her calculations didn't take into account the reaction of the desert salt with the rubber hybrid tires, exhaust, and intense heat. Turn the tires into homemade plastic explosives. Yowch. Matty Rouge was the last voice I heard with my own ears. So we have a little sort of a countdown, I guess, the eight seconds of him crashing. Yeah. It's a cool layout. It is. Scott Collins is doing some really good work here. Totally. So eight seconds. Matty's screaming from the cliff. Seven seconds. He figures that the nanotech going to save him no matter what. Five seconds. I have to consume the rest of my body to produce the energy necessary. So, yeah, I guess technically they can save my life. <laughs> so the nanobots consumed the rest of his body and used the car
1: to rebuild him. Yeah. Yeah, the nanobots were like they were in charge of saving his humanity the or brain, yeah. yeah so the brain was what they focused on That's kind of cool yeah that last picture or the picture at the bottom there is uh, at the third second where his uh, face is being eaten away by the <laughs> yeah <laughs> either the flames or the nanobots it's all very uh, probably the bots yeah Yeah, it's cool. I like the way Collins is, uh, it's almost like cutaway designs here where he's got the car and you can kind of see all the interiors and, I mean, that may be the way the car is designed anyway, but, uh, it's cool. Yeah. I like this, this alternate, uh, sort of origin
0: form too. That's kind
1: of neat. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, it's close enough to what we know, but it's, it's a little, it's a little different. Yeah. 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 Very cool.
0: So he was, I guess he was out in the desert for a while, and then he woke up and realized he was a robot.
1: <laughs> and took a little scout, yeah. like you do. Yeah, that never goes well, that first moment when you realize you've been uh, turned into a robot. That never seems to go well for people. <laughs> he shoots himself up in the air. He crash lands on a volcanic island.
0: Uh huh. But the body won't let him die. It kicks into self preservation mode and starts reformatting his, his body.
1: That's his, great.
0: Those pesky nanobots.
1: <laughs> yeah, there will be no
0: suicide in Cliff's future. So now he sees that it's actually his fault. This whole island is all nanotechy.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that big explosion. Because it was him
0: crashing on the island. Yeah. And little bits little, of nanotechy all, all over the place. <laughs> absorbing themselves into into the, uh,
1: into the ecosystem. Yeah. yeah, that's cool, though. That makes for a great like DC island that people could explore if they chose to. Yeah, creepy nanotech island. Yeah, yeah, cool.
0: says <laughs> nobody purged the corrupted nanobots, but left them on the island. Those damn nanobots are built to survive, and they've been replicating ever since. Then he finds the crater where his body originally landed. And that's when the giant purple thing gets to him and <laughs> bumps him into the
1: ground. <laughs> Stomps him down. I wish this didn't have a name. It must have a name. Like Ugam or something. <laughs> Ugam totally works. It's a really cool design though. It's really uh, like it, it looks kind of like a big frog. Yeah, frog with teeth and goggly eyes.
0: So Cliff blasts his way out of the ground flies up and shoots some uh, foot lasers at the back of the the, uh, frog thing's head. Yeah. (laughs) And it's still going because apparently the brain isn't in its head. (laughs) Excellent. So he scans it, finds it, goes into the abdomen.
1: Right in the bread basket.
0: (laughs) Right in the bread basket, yeah. And uh, the thing collapses. And scans from Maddie, goes to find her. And, uh... Ooh, there's another heartbeat with her. Comes to a little little fortress, little compound action. Yeah. And see if there's another heartbeat. I'm guessing it's Mrs. Turing's missing brother or husband. She wasn't a very good liar, so I assume this is a trap. <laughs> Dr. Turing, he says as he smashes through the wall, and there's yes. Maddie and... The general, I guess, is Dr. Perrin. Yes. There's your usual um, mad science tubes full of uh, liquid with... Creatures. in them. Yeah. Creatures and experiments, wild, weird science going on.
1: Absolutely. And
0: that's, of course, where we end this one.
1: That's right.
0: Man, this is going to read off so much better once it's all done.
1: Yeah, it'll read really well when it's off. All-
0: it's nice that it has these sort of cliffhangers, though. Yeah. You know, it, it, they put it together really well for the limitations of the space that they have. So.
1: Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, I could totally see them putting it together into, like, one of those... What are they doing now? They're calling them DC Comics Presents or something. and I think they're putting out these little, like, mini-trades or something. This would make a great mini-trade. 60 pages. That's, like... That's doable.
0: Yeah, it's like your prestige format kind of deal. Totally, totally. Prestige format. <laughs> I do.
1: <laughs> Square bound, super strong paper. Oh yeah. Yes. Glory days, glory days. Yes. Yes. <laughs> all right, So we got well, one. That's lot. it for uh, my greatest adventure. Yeah, Let's we'll see, see how it all wraps up.
0: How many parts is this thing it's supposed to be? Eight.
1: Six, six, I think. Six. Mm, so we'll only one part to go. One more part and it's all wrapped up. Mm. Hmm. We probably should have
0: saved this until battle without that. Ah well.
1: Oh <laughs> ah, well. <laughs> we'll just have to do the same something else. Totally. Next time. Totally. By then who knows? Maybe we'll have some more Doom Patrolly clues scattered around out there. Totally nice. Yeah. Well, we've got, yeah, I we've think got... He'll
0: start a new Doom Patrol out of this.
1: Yeah, of totally. Well, I mean, he's laid down what could be what someone else could come by and pick up on. Like, I mean, the red-haired, red-haired, bearded guy is clearly going to be chief if someone wants yeah. to go back and and uh, chief him up. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Yeah, it'll it was, be interesting. because yeah. he, uh, yeah, he, in earlier, ent- or earlier issues, he talked about um the team that he was a part of. Now whether that means the the unknown guys or whether he talks it, or whether he meant that to be a different team is uh you know open to interpretation and Yeah, I suppose. Uh, it'll be good. It'll be good to see. Who knows now that Matt Kent is doing what's he gonna be doing? Uh Frankenstein, maybe we'll see uh Robot Man show up over there. Yeah. Totally. They'd probably work pretty well together. Totally. That would be a great little uh crossover guest star bit. Have them oh. hang out with the uh, creature commandos and Frankie Jeez. and Yeah, they don't have a robot. No, they got everything but so you know He can he can be like the bitch guy robot. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Wander over there. Yeah, I'm okay if they take a couple of a little while to reintroduce whatever is going to eventually end up being the Doom Patrol. Have them appear in little books here and there. And then pull them together when when the demand is there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All righty. Well, Thanks. that is it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You can uh, always send us an email to doompodtroll at gmail.com. Or you can visit us over on our uh, website, which is also doonpodtroll.com. Totally. Alrighty, we will catch you all next week. Bye bye. Bye bye.